0: We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues. This is a podcast for you. Fancy, Alan. The the Tigers likewise mixed fortunes this week.
1: No more good fortunes for the Tigers. Uh, We we no longer have to worry about mixed fortunes. I, I did express some concern that the resurgent Tigers in July were only having one series against a team ranked higher than them. Fortunately, it was the White Sox who we managed to put away 2-1 in, in a series. And I think that's the first time we've actually beaten the White Sox in a series for a, for a few years. Uh, young Dave is not with us tonight. Unfortunately, he's not uh, wimping out because the Tigers have, have beaten the White Sox. Uh, but no, that was I was delighted delight to see that. And we started last night with a win over the Rangers as well, which is one of the times, yes, I'm quite happy to be beating the Rangers as well. But quite quite a great run from the Tigers just now, so let's hope they continue that and, and keep it going.
0: Yeah, and, and the Red Sox, what of the the pride of Massachusetts? How have they been doing this week, George? Or Dave? <coughs> Oh, they're continuing the great
2: success. I mean, they recorded the 10th win in the last 11 games last night. And that's 15 in the last 20. And they've got a four and a half game lead over the Rays in the AL East. And they're finding lots of different ways to to, to win games. And um, uh, they've won quite a few close ones. I think uh, they have five one-run games where they've won four and lost one. And there was another one last night and it's so one of them ones I'd, I'd watched the previous night's games live and that was a sort of pitching duel. Pivetta. Nick Pivetta came out on top in a 1-0 win against um, Oakland at Oakland. And last night they were over in um, Anaheim, is it? Or they moved to Los Angeles, yeah, for the, for the Angels game. And I didn't know the result and I went into the MLB and sort of watching it as live. But I sort of jumped about a bit and saw that they were ahead 5-2. And then I went to the ninth inning, uh, the sort of denouement. And um, the bottom of the ninth, and uh, so they had runners on first and second with two outs. And uh, none other than Otani was at the plate uh, with a count at three to one. Ottavino was on the mound. He was the Red Sox closer. For the evening and he'd come into the game in the ninth inning with the score at 5-2 but um, at the beginning of the bottom of the ninth and he gave up a couple of hits and a walk um, um but he struck out two to set up this face off with uh and this is quoting Alex Cora the unparalleled Otani who the, the Red Sox manager is in absolute awe of his achievements um and uh, Ottavano said afterwards, or give the result away. He said he was trying to avoid getting to the point where he was facing Otani. It's righty versus lefty, um, so that would favour um, Shohei. Um, but of course, it happens. He goes. Um, he goes on to give you a glimpse into the mind of a major league closer. He says, "In the moment, I'm ready for battle. It's a fun situation." Well, he's, he's made a stronger stuff than me. I watched the final inning as live, as I say, without knowing the result. And, um, you know, it, a walk off win looked on the cards for the, for the Angels. Uh, Zotani's 27th birthday that night. And the fans were on their feet. I didn't know this, but, you know, they have giveaways at certain games. <laughs> and because it, it must have been because it was his birthday, they were giving away, believe it or not, Shohei. Otane pillows, and they were all waving these very bright looking uh, pillows. And so, yeah, I don't want to sort of drag this out too much, but it was incredibly exciting. It was already a nerve jangling inning for the Red Sox nation, but here we have it this sort of um, fun situation, right? According to Ottavino. The Yosei Royas had just driven in a run to make it five to four and they brought on a pinch runner. Um, Taylor Ward uh, came in for Rojas and then David Fletcher got a hit to put runners on first and second. And then this was this uh, Otani versus Ottavino. And this, you know, I mean, be, you know, he's, he's hit 35, 31 home runs this year, so I'm just thinking this, you know, this is set up to sail out of the park. And pitch. you know, first pitch, swing and a miss, so he's ahead. Uh Ottavino's ahead, one strike to 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 nothing. Uh the second pitch and uh, the shift they've got the shift on, they obviously think that Atari's gonna pull the ball. Um, but it's a ball, so counts one and one. I de- pitch three is identical. Two uh, balls and one strike. Uh oh, uh oh, Tani. He's gonna, <laughs> and then there's another low one, ball three. So that's uh, three and one. I mean, I suppose at that moment I mean, he could have walked him and loaded the bases, but um, anyway, it looked like a curveball to me. And uh, Tani smacked it. Um, afterwards he said it was 101.9 miles an hour, but he hit it into the shift, and uh, Christian. Uh, Arroyo, the second baseman, fielded it well and uh, made the throw to Dolbeck at first base and the game was over and (laughs) just like that you know, every pitch, and this is what marvels me about baseball, every pitch the game could be over you know, you could hit it out of the ballpark you could tie it up extra innings and then all of a sudden it's over and I, I read afterwards that MLB Writer, I think it's Ian Brown who covers the Red Sox. He said that uh, this this hit from Otani per stat cast, there's a well struck ground, he said he had an expected batting average of 0.910. So that's the sort of level of, um, you know, normally mm. that would have been a hit and it probably would have got the, the runner home. But they were in the shift, he was in the perfect spot um to pick up this laser beam shot he picked it up smoothly on the short hop fired it to first to complete the exciting win which is an un- understatement and arroyo himself was just back after 10 days on the injured list he'd hit a solo home run uh, in his first at bat you can tell i'm quite excited so sorry for taking up so much time there but another win for the red Sox.
1: brilliant and, and I'm excited for more sporting furniture references, so thank you for that. We'd, we need to know from our listeners what their favourite sporting furniture items are, but yeah, pillows would be good.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would go nicely with your collection, Alan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, to be honest with you, that London series game we were at after five-odd hours, I could have done with a pillow and a wee, a wee rest resting a kip at that point as well, I think. Not least because we've had quite a few of those rather large beers as well. I was just ready for a pillow and a kip at that point. But uh, <laughs> well, let's be honest, guys, there's only there's only one thing to talk about. The Japanese sensation who's going to the who's been picked for the all-star game. Yep, you're right. Yusuke Kikuchi of the Seattle Mariners becoming the first Seattle Mariners starting pitcher to get picked for the All-Star game for, for quite a while. So my Mariners have had a decent week. They saw off Rangers. And a victory against the Blue Jays since we last joined our listeners on the podcast here. But uh, no, joking aside, I'm very pleased for Yusei Kikuchi, the Mariners, but Shohei Otani making uh, history as the first man to be selected as a pitcher and hitter for the All-Star game. Is there anything this man cannot do, Alan?
1: Yeah, it's pretty impressive when you think he's, he, uh, I think it was described when I was reading it, it's going both ways effectively for the, the all-star game to be pitching and batting. It's quite, I think for non-followers of the sport, it's probably not something you think of as that unusual. To compete at that level, at the top level uh, for, for both is, is fantastic. I often try to think, what, what's a good analogy? I mean, in, in, in cricket, I think all your your bowlers are batting anyway, but I suppose they're not, they, they, they won't be the out-and-out batting experts so if effectively that's what you're doing but this guy has it both and to dedicate yourself to be that good at both which requires an awful lot of abilities is, is fantastic so good to see it. but delighted Kikuchi is in there as well for the the all-star game he he's been one of our guys in the in our fantasy team we had a good week in the old Fantasy baseball, we were back on track, uh, an 8-2 win. Yasui, he got a win, pretty good six, six strikeouts, lower ERA and, and whip. Dave also mentioned uh, Nick Pavetta, who also got a win for us as well, 15 strikeouts. I think he presumably pitched twice last week as well. But the the other guy Dave did well on on the pitching side was Josh Taylor, the, the relief pitcher for the Red Sox, who got three holds during last week as well, which is excellent. Uh, so good to see that. A lot of our batters, particularly the Red Sox and the White Sox, despite being beaten by the Tigers, our guys, they all actually did pretty well. Uh, bringing Miggy back in, Miggy Cabrera, didn't make an awful lot of difference for us. But a no, fantastic 8-2 win. We lost, just lost out in the holes, despite Taylor's fantastic performance. Stolen bases is an interesting one. Uh, We we lost that, but it is quite interesting looking at like Robbie Grossman of the Tigers. Batting stats weren't great for the week, but a couple of stolen bases. So I think that's a to do with the individual's skills in doing that, but also the management strategy. And I think that's one of the things that's coming through with the Tigers uh, and, and how they're doing well. But but clearly the management strategy of our fantasy team, we're, we're delighted to see uh, that that has um, elevated us back up to fifth place uh, in the in the standings. So back into the playoff spots, still very tight, uh, fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth. Uh, but good, good that we're back in there. Uh, and another matchup this week, we are playing the Birmingham AV uh, with Matthew. Uh, not an awful lot of action last night. Pitching didn't go particularly well for us. Dylan Cease uh, of the White Sox, and he struggled a couple of times, a lot of strikeouts, but uh, un- unfortunately his ERA wasn't great. But let's let's see how this week goes. But it's good that we're back on a wee bit of form there, and uh, we'll keep the our management team are re motivated and ready to go again.
0: Well, you can tell the kind of character we've got within the Highland bullpen squad that we've bounced back with victory there after a couple of weeks where we, uncharacteristically, were on the losing end. And uh, I take it really, I'm just thinking birds with balls, they're probably the Shohei Otani of the British Baseball Podcasters League because you just can't touch them. They're just unbeatable and setting all kinds of records at the moment, Al. Uh,
1: ab- absolutely. Let me have a wee look at the league table. They are obviously in first place. Flyball to the Moon are seven games behind, which is not bad doing it. So, yeah, in the different categories, birds of balls are 88 wins, six ties, and 36 losses. So um, they're, they're winning by twice as much, and as twice as many categories every week. Uh, last week, they were 9-1-0. So, yeah, that's a strong team. Uh, we, we know our place. We're looking to get into the the playoffs and to give our lads some experience of that that level of fantasy baseball.
0: Um, yeah, and we are, after all, are we not Yorkshire, Dave. We we are rookies. This is our, our rookie season here. Quite
2: right, yeah. So, um, you know, we're doing re- remarkably well. And yeah, that was a good, yeah, we uh, stopped our skid, didn't we, of three losses over a nice 8-2 win I think it's look, looking good you know um it's tight for the sort of six seven and eight isn't it I think there was only like a couple of games back between us there. so if we could get another couple of wins uh together in the next few weeks you know because we're in the second half of the season now Was it 22 yeah. 22 weeks yeah 16 teams so we play first 15, and then we play. I think it just reverts to the top of the order again, and we play the first seven teams the second time, and then uh, sometime in September, the top six play off. Do the first two get a bye, and then the next, yeah, the three and four yes. and five and six play.
0: Get yeah, yeah, we're doing well. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, we've really demonstrated our, our character. I think, and we know baseball's a long season, so there will be. Ups and downs, but we're at the midway mark in that long season. And here's a quick question for the bullpen bros: the American League or the National League? Who has won more? Which league has come out on top in All-Star Game history? Oh, don't know. I thought you were
2: going to say World Series. Then I was going to say, yeah, the the Yankees sort of um, edge it for the American League. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go American League, but I don't think there's much in it, is there? Is there? It's just a very close um,
1: couple of you're games.
0: On. If anything, you're right about the very close, Alan. Do you want to hitch your wagon to American League or the National League?
1: I'm going to take a chance and say it's actually tied, and this is a moving into a deciding <laughs> a deciding ball game because we don't like ties in baseball. So I'm sure that that statistic will probably annoy people sufficiently. So, yeah.
0: There's always one awkward character. You see National League, you see American <laughs> League, I'll go, no, neither, tie, tie, tie. You're you're both very, very close on the mark. And in fact, it is indeed the American League who have won 45 All-Star games going into the 2021 Midsummer Classic, where the National League have won 43. So oh, just right. two, two, two games and yeah. it. There Have been two ties, Alan. You'd have wished you were about in 2002 and 1961 to enjoy those two ties. Uh, but what's remarkable, I think, is that the runs even closer 373 runs for the American League, 370 for the National League, so only three runs difference out of you know nearly 750 there. And uh, I guess that's a really nice statistic. I know that in football, soccer. Scotland and England, historically, despite what you might think now, actually have a really close kind of record in terms of the historic achievements. And it's nice to see that the American League and National League has basically been a, a pick 'em. Although in recent years, for whatever reason, the American League has tended to come out in top. So they were up until 2017, uh, they, were, they trailed for the National League, but it has been the American League on top for most of the past. 25 years for whatever reason. They've to- great
2: players, haven't they? I don't know whether it's anything to do with the, what they do with the DH, you know, with the sort of American League having a sort of a designated hitter in there, but um, it obviously doesn't make that much difference if it's that if it's that tight, you know, and when you look at the, the teams that are in the National League, I think, you know, Red Sox obviously have a great Record, but I think you know, the Giants and the Dodgers and even the Padres, all out of the same division, I think they're really, really strong and they've got the top record, haven't they? The Giants just now, I think.
0: Yep, that's that's right, George or Dave. Alan, why don't we invite our Highland Highland bullpen listeners to tell us via social media who's going to win the all star game and why? Uh, that could be a nice little piece there. I
1: will do that. I will do that. Once I I come off my Twitter high, I don't, I don't think we'll be topping this, but um, if the Detroit Tigers can like one of our tweets, then surely everybody can, would be my very simple take on life there. So uh, thank you to the Detroit Tigers social media team. It's, that's one of those things that makes a wee lad very happy when your, your team go in and like what you have gone to Twitter to say. So just, I was lucky enough to be away golfing in the Highlands at the weekend. uh, And I played a great, great championship course, which the great American golfer, Tom Watson. Tom would have a a bit of an argument with, I don't think he's quite the goat. You've got the Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods debate. Tom was never far behind, but a, a great lover of Scottish golf. I think five of his six opens were won in Scotland. Tom would tell you his favourite golf course in the world is Royal Dornoch, uh, So we teed up on there on Sunday, which was the 4th of July. I had my Tiger's cap with me. It's uh, It gets into the mid-teens and centigrade temperatures, so I need to protect my bald head with the cap on that. But the Royal Dornoch first tee sign, of course, has the Old English D for Dornoch. Good to see that, and it was matching my cap. Uh, so we wished our American listeners a happy Fourth of July from Dornach.
0: Nice, and uh, no, great to see, great to hear that the Detroit Tigers social media wizzies were able to make the day of a, a humble laddie from the Highlands, Alan. That's always nice to hear. So forget about the All Star; it was the Owl Star for the Highland bullpen this week. Mm. Yorkshire, yes. Dave. The world of, of of triple plays. I think we touched slightly upon that uh, last week. I know we're keen to delve a bit deeper into the various intrigues surrounding the triple play.
2: Yeah, amazingly, the New York Yankees have turned three triple plays this season already. And to put that into perspective, and I'm referring to Sabre, uh, S-A-B-R, Triple play database. Um, There have been, but the the, the most triple plays turned in an entire season by all teams, not just one team, was back. It was 19 back in 1890, Uh, and since 1901, the record is 11 uh, done done three times. uh, The last one being in 1979. So for one team, turn three triple plays. It's pretty amazing, and uh, the circumstances of them—two of them were sort of almost identical—and and, and you'd say for a triple play, pretty, pretty normal. But the circumstances of them were—I'll I'll try and keep this brief—were were, were quite amazing. One was a game-ending triple play. I think that I think the first one happened in May, and there uh, was a top of the that was a top of the ninth, uh, and score one-one against uh, the White Sox. Runners on first and second, so you usually had to got to have two, obviously no outs and two runners on. And then um, Rollis Chapman was the Yankee closer. He was on the mound. Uh, he must have thought of the worst when Andrew Vaughan smacked a slider on the ground towards third baseman Gio Urshela, but he he realised he was watching a triple play develop in real time. And um, I think Urshela then. He took uh, two steps to his right, tagging third base to get the force out, Pinch from Billy Hamilton. Then he fired a bullet to second place. Um, I can never re- pronounce this guy's name. Is it Rukhned Odor? Anyway, uh, that retired um, Garcia and Odor tossed the ball onto first baseman Luke Boyd to Navvorn and complete the Yankees' first triple play since um, 2014. So that would, that would go down in the book as a 5 4 3 double uh, triple play you'd have to annotate it as a triple and that's third baseman to second baseman to first baseman and so the third one was exactly the same 5 4 3 I think it was different infielders but that was a that was a walk off win for the Yankees because uh, they they led um the game 2-1 against Oakland I think Chapman was the beneficiary again, so if uh, if the double play is the pitcher's friend, then uh, the triple play is even, uh, even more tally. But the, the the middle one was the amazing one, and this was something that has never happened before in the history of the game. So this was, say, the, the first two were 5-4-3 in the scorebook. The second one... Goes in the scorebook because a one, three, six, two, five, six triple play. So, yes, it was the first time this has ever happened. So, one of the weirdest versions you'll ever see. So, yeah, the, the, those numbers obviously denote the field positions. One is the pitcher, three, uh, first baseman, six shortstop, second, uh, two is the catcher, five, third baseman, and then, uh, the shortstop again. So only only the second baseman didn't actually touch the ball. Um, and the score was nil-nil in this one. And um, uh, Vladimir Junior, none other than Vladimir, uh, one of the bests in the game. He'll be in the All-Stars game, I'm pretty sure. He hit a weak ground at the third base side of the mound. Which, uh, King fielded cleanly and then tossed it to... DJ um, King was the pitcher, toss it to DJ LeMayo at first for the initial out. So that's Vlad uh, um, out. Then the face running was not too clever here, and even the Toronto manager <laughs> admitted that um, LeMayo threw it to the shortstop, Gabriel Torres, who was in the middle of the infield, and he quickly sent it to catcher uh, Gary Sanchez. So he's obviously trying to uh, stop anyone uh, getting to home plate um but sanchez sort of sensed that uh, one of the runners was in no man's land between third and home so um he threw it to the third baseman who tagged see C- seaman out so it's like a rundown affair so that was the um the two five part of the. It. it's getting very complicated but then and this was perhaps, you know, the worst part of the the, the running, the base running, I think it was, was it Bo Bichette who was actually trying to get from second to third. So that's when uh, the third baseman, um, the shortstop was alert to that. He covered third base and um, the third baseman threw it to him just in time to go. They actually reviewed that play but it was, um, it was a triple play, the first of its kind. Wow.
1: First of its kind.
2: Ever in the game, you know, there's, the, you know, I think I mentioned it before off, off, off air that you can go, we'll have to post this um, link to the website and you can click onto it and it's just a, it's just a spreadsheet of triple plays. And um, you know most of them are fairly straightforward. Um, there's such a thing as an unassisted triple play perhaps we'll leave that for another time but where um, three guys can be out in the same play from one fielder without the assistance of any of his teammates so I wonder if our listeners can try and think how on earth that could happen but it has happened a few times over the years and maybe we'll come back
0: to that um, next week or another time That sounds amazing, Yorkshire Dave, and that really is an intriguing one. That's a cliffhanger. Can't try to work (laughs) out any way that would be possible. So an uh, unassisted triple play. Yeah, that's what I'm going to set my mind to as well to see if if I can work that one out. But thanks for that really nice historical piece there as well, Yorkshire Dave. You always do these things really well. I know people always enjoy hearing them as well. We're going to look to wrap up shortly, Uh, but before we do so, We'll take a look at the week ahead for our respective sides. Our my Mariners are facing the Yankees, so I'm expecting a pretty tough a pretty tough series. And then hopefully, my to pick up some wins against division rivals, the Angels, in the remainder of the games in this coming seven days. Alan, what's in store for the Tigers over the next seven days?
1: Yep, Tigers are on the road, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, they're down in the, the great state of Texas just now in uh, Arlington, playing the, the Arlington stroke Texas Rangers. Uh, so, I think another couple of games in that series. So, we're one up there before we then go and have a series uh, at the Twins, Minnesota Twins. So, I mentioned last week as well, this is now a run of the Tigers playing teams who have a worse record than them. So, you have to hope. The Tigers will come out of July well uh, and put more and more teams behind them in the overall rankings as well. So uh, I've got got a bit of hope, got a bit of optimism. I think um, uh, the young lads have come out and pitched well. Uh, I think there's a few Jonathan's scoop batting well. So I think Akhil Badu did a great job. Tigers as well. So uh, yeah, I'm confident we'll be talking about more Tigers series wins next week.
0: I look forward to that, Alan. For for Yorkshire, Dave, to close out the show, the Red Sox have uh, got an interesting seven days coming up, and I noticed as well, including today, in fact, where they defeated the Angels 5-4, but the your last four games have all been settled by one run, one way or the other. Uh, Yorkshire, Dave, so it's uh, certainly close, close thought and exciting baseball games for the Red Sox at the moment. Yeah, I think um, you know they've been known
2: this year for uh, um, scoring a lot of runs. They've conceded quite a few runs. Um, Their bullpen has been, you know, instrumental in getting a lot of these. uh, But um, actually, their defense, especially their outfield defense, has been astonishingly good. I think uh, in a couple of games against Oakland, I think they threw out a guy at the uh, the plate who was just about to get a walk-off run, I think. Uh, I think that might have been... It's either Hernandez or Renfro. Renfro's got an incredible um, arm. And uh, I think they did the same thing in the in the next game, through the same guy out at the plate, but actually Oakland went on to win that game. So this is a... You know, that they seem to be adding a lot to their game, Red Sox. And uh, I'm getting more and more <laughs> upbeat about the their chances for you know for playoffs so we'll see what happens you can't you know it's eleven and one in the in the in the last uh or is it ten out of the last eleven games something's gotta give soon and you know I'm sure the next two games against the Angels Otani I'll have a I'll have a hand in that. They've got three games um against um, National League the Phillies so that'll be interesting before the all-star break uh, and after that, then I think I've mentioned it before. The, the, you know, the next couple of weeks after the All-Star, it's um, eight games against the Yankees, four away and four at home, and likewise seven games against the Blue Jays. So that's that's a real, real test uh, for them. But yeah, I'll, you can't be any happier than uh, being a Red Sox fan. Just now, I've not listened to any of the podcasts recently, but even the most critical ones must be. Uh, you know, giving them some respect
0: just now. Yep. well, well, Yorkshire Dave might not be listening to any other podcasts. Make sure you keep listening to the Highland Bullpen. And Alan, how can our listeners follow us and engage with us and talk to us on social?
1: Yeah, Twitter's the best place uh, for catching up with us. For find us at uh, at Highland Bullpen. Uh, you can drop us messages there. We're open for direct messages. You can. Also, find us a wee bit on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, but yeah, keep keep in touch. We like following different people. If you got interesting sites that people know about, that's for us in our as relative rookies, uh, just picking up new information and seeing what different people are doing in the great game of baseball is fantastic. And we hope that you enjoy our slightly Scottish take on all things baseball as we look at it from the perspective of the sporting life that has led us to this point. So thank you for joining in.
0: Thank you, Alan. And no matter what side of the ocean you're on whether you're across there, in Boston, Detroit, Seattle or Chicago, or you're here with us here in Scotland or the UK, we are one baseball community united by a love of the great game. So have a great week, everyone. Keep listening and we'll join you next week on the Highland Bullpen.